Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Good Morning Family, a podcast of my weekly sermons. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a special sermon for you every now and then. I hope this podcast is good news for you. If you find these words helpful, please rate and review my podcast on iTunes or on whatever host you found it. Thanks for your help and for being part of the family. And now, here's this week's sermon. Listen and enjoy. Good morning, family. Last week we saw that Jesus went to church. Back then it was called a synagogue. And things went pretty well, initially. This morning I'd like us to continue that story. And as you'll see in a moment, things went from bad to worse. I tried to warn you last week that things were going to change. Well, let's read from Luke chapter 4 this morning. Remember, Jesus has just astounded the hometown crowd with his audacity. He read the words of Isaiah and then claimed them as his very own. Let's read verses 21 through 30. Hear the word of the Lord. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus. So impressed were they by the gracious words flowing from his lips. They said, This is Joseph's son, isn't it? Then Jesus said to them, Undoubtedly, you will quote the saying to me, Doctor, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. He said, I assure you that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time, when it didn't rain for three and a half years and there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, thanks be to God. Have you ever met a lottery winner? Apparently it's quite an exciting thing when a lottery winner is from your hometown. You know, she bought her ticket from your local corner store, or he graduated from the same high school as you. Now, I'm not speaking from any experience, but I've been told that it's almost like you get to share in the winner's good fortune just by being near them. Of course, you'd think that they would want to share some of their winnings with you because you have something in common, right? You're happy for them until you find out that they aren't planning on sharing any of their good fortune with you. When Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth and began to teach, the local Jewish community was quite proud of him. After all, they had heard of the things that he had done over in the town of Capernaum, and they were convinced that he was some sort of 
profit from God. In a way, they believed that Jesus had just won the lottery. And if he had won the lottery as the hometown hero, they too had become winners. And now he was home to shower them with God's favor because after all, he was one of them. Of course, anyone in their right mind could see that that was what he was going to do. Besides that, they agreed with what he was saying, at least at first. But as long as they were pleased, they were proud of him. They wanted to bask in the light of God's special favor. They wanted to share in the winnings. Who could blame them, right? But that's when Jesus started talking about God's favor and blessing extending beyond, way beyond his hometown of Nazareth, beyond the nation and people of Israel, and extending all the way to the Gentiles. And not just any Gentiles, but to the enemies of the people of Israel. Jesus referred to two stories from the Old Testament, one about the prophet Elijah and one about the prophet Elisha. In both those instances, God healed, blessed, and included people who were not Jewish. They were specifically Assyrians. Oh no, not the Assyrians. Anyone but the Assyrians, Jesus' hometown folks must have thought to themselves. The Assyrians were their sworn enemies. How could God bless their enemies? How could God bless people who were obviously not as pure and holy and good as the Jews were? Do you see what happened? Jesus began to teach and preach that God's liberation was way more inclusive and abundant and far-reaching than anyone had ever dared to imagine. And that's when everything changed. Isn't it interesting how quickly our minds can turn when we don't agree with someone? We think that someone is absolutely wonderful until they say or do something that doesn't quite mesh with what we believe, then we're shocked or even angry. After all, we like being with people who think like we do. We're more comfortable associating with folks who believe like we do, right? Because it feels good to be part of a group that we understand, a group that we think understands us too. When someone close to us says something contrary or challenges the current status, we can be quick to turn on them, or to be suspicious of them, or to turn away from them. I mean, it's one thing for an outsider to say or do something questionable, but it's a whole other ball game when it's one of our own, right? And that's where we find Jesus in our gospel story today. When the amazing inclusivity of Jesus' message became clear to the people in his hometown, their community identity, their community agenda and boundaries overrode the joy they experienced when Jesus came to their synagogue. Their anger and fear overcame their happiness. They were blinded by indignation. They refused to believe that God's grace was for others. Their identity, their way of life, their theology only made sense to them when they decided who was in and who was out. They recoiled at the notion that God's grace cannot be contained by our desire to feel special. Do we think and act the same way? Sometimes God's grace scandalizes us so much that we are simply unable to receive it for ourselves. 
and a vicious cycle begins. If we can't accept and receive grace like this, how then can we share it with others? Guess what? It's impossible. We can't do it. So here we have a cautionary tale from those at Jesus' hometown synagogue. They were so focused on what they believed God's blessing should look like that it was just for them that they missed the opportunity to enjoy and celebrate the grace that Jesus offered. The gospel says that they were filled with anger and drove him out of town. How dare Jesus tell them who should be included? How dare Jesus tell us the same thing? You see, part of becoming a mature follower of Jesus is learning how to set aside our expectations and limits in order to learn what God's boundaries are. Let's be honest, it's difficult, and it takes a lifetime, just like maturing into an adult. Over in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul told early church members that love, radical love, is the most important characteristic of being a follower of Jesus. He wrote these words, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. That works physically as well as spiritually. When we are children, we have a narrow view of the world. Life is always about us and our immediate context. But as we grow into adulthood and experience more of life, we understand how big the world is. As we mature as followers of Jesus, we understand more fully what grace is, and it grows wider and wider as our love grows. Following Jesus isn't easy. Jesus never suggests that it is. The way of Jesus is costly. Years ago, some folks wiser than I stated it this way, the duty of all Christians is to follow Christ to come together week by week for corporate worship, and to work, pray, and give for the spread of the kingdom of God. You see, following Jesus is a full-time endeavor that radically shapes our lives. It calls us to live for him and others, to die to ourselves, and to be resurrected with Jesus over and over and over again. And with each repetition, our hearts get wider and wider, with every sacrifice, we know God's grace more and more deeply. And with every act of obedience and service, we follow Jesus a little bit further down the road of love. When Jesus spoke to his hometown synagogue, he spoke to us. When Jesus spoke to his hometown friends and family, he spoke of God's love that far exceeds our limitations and our imaginations. Which is why Paul told the Corinthians, And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. That's why every week I challenge you to love at least three people. But don't just love the people closest to you. Don't limit it to the people in your circle. Make sure that you love at least one person who you think doesn't deserve it. Because the truth is, none of us deserve it, right? No matter how close to Jesus we think we are, no matter how good or righteous we think we are, not a single one of us deserves God's love. And yet he gives it to us freely, lavishly, continually, and he gives it to people who we think don't deserve it. Shouldn't we do the same? Let's pray. Good and gracious God, 
Help us to accept with grace those things we cannot understand and concentrate instead upon the gifts that we have received from you. You know us, and yet you call us, imperfect though we are, to be your light in this world. Bring wholeness and release, heal the sick, support the weak. You know us, and yet you call us to be vessels of your grace. That you should trust us with this task is too difficult to grasp, and in our strength, impossible. You know us, call us, use us, but more importantly, by your Spirit, you empower us. You made us out of love, and you created us to love. So help us to love others, others who don't look like us, others who don't vote like us, others who don't believe like us, others who don't live like us. Help us to love no matter what. Again, Father, we pray for those who are sick. Give healing, wisdom, and protection, we pray, especially during this pandemic. We pray for those who are in pain. We pray for those who are under stress, for those who are tired, and for those who need direction. Use us, we pray, to bring comfort and care and love to them today. We pray for peace, peace at home, peace abroad, peace in our hearts, and peace in our homes. Father, you've called us to give your love and your healing to those who desperately need it. Help us to value, love, comfort, and care for those who are the last, the least, the lost, and the left out. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me today. Was this message helpful to you? If so, will you like, review, and share this podcast? Also, if you have a, a need or prayer request, please leave a message in the comment section and be assured that I will be praying for you and your need. This week, your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Because everyone needs love. And everyone needs to know that God loves them, no matter what. Remember, no matter what happens, with Jesus we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.